I sound like a bit of an asshole here? Vancouver? This place is crazy. I'm sorry if I sound like a bit of an asshole Vancouver? This place is crazy. Boom! We're recording. Mm-hmm. You recording? I'm recording. Go. <laughs> Wait, why don't we do it with both of our hands? Ow! <laughs> All right. Okay, how's that? Oh hell yeah, that, that was good. Woo! I thought that was gonna be a shitty. Uh, class. That, that was, was solid. That was solid. It's, it hurt you guys, huh? Uh, yeah. I love bit. it when you get those claps in that are like, where they sound amazing but they don't hurt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I don't know what how you do that. If there's a it's, way, it's something about the physics of compressing air between hands. Right? It's got it got a cup. Yeah, yeah. So in case you guys don't know by the the written title of this episode, it's like why do I even introduce people when there's a bio and a written title before <laughs> they click the episode? I'm here with Daniel Irving and Josh Aries. Hi, Mike. Hi, guys. Hello, Mike. The uh, creative team behind Mr. James's dad. Um, what's that? See, this is the problem with doing this way. Josh has done reverse. Josh yeah. just did reverse. And then Freaking we also sweet. did Running Gun. We Running did gun, the, better better forever. Forever. the Better Forever. Yeah. yeah. You guys won uh, Audience Choice on that guy, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah Hell yeah. yeah. Very proud of that. Oh, as you should be. I'm a, I, I'm also a, an Audience Choice alumnus with Supreme. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, I love Wait, that where's one. the Audience oh Choice? Uh, oh, did, did Joel oh, did Joel. Or, not, not Joel. No, could you imagine if Joel yeah. like was out there winning awards at his own competition? <laughs> <laughs> if he took the uh, the Audience Choice would be the only one that wouldn't be like scummy. Wait, why don't mm-hmm. you have the? Oh, why don't I have it? Because I didn't. Because uh, the director has it. Oh, who directed it? Steve Schwartz. Oh, I don't think I know Steve. Oh, Steve. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Steve's just kind of like introverted, and he's got a he's got a girlfriend now, and so uh, he's gonna like be mad. Be, well, so he's spending all his time with his girlfriend, you know. <laughs> well, ever since uh, twenty seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> no. Twenty eighteen. No. See, act, the best actor is for twenty seventeen. That's for Supreme, and the best screenplay is oh, for so is another movie I did. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In case for the audience, there's he has the awards on his wall that we're looking at right now. Well, just on my bookshelf, yeah. <laughs> yeah in case for the audience, Supreme was really damn good. I remember that was like one of my first like uh intros to like the Vancouver community here. Just seeing how wacky and wild dance sequence people can go. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then just seeing the oil just drip on Mike. Yeah. As all this my all this dialogue was happening, like oh, it's almost like this film was made in forty eight hours or something like that. <laughs> it was yeah. so good. Thanks, yeah, man, man. I want to be part of this community. That's when it, that's when it all started. I love that shit. You, oh man, I love, I love that we get to do such weird shit in our little community. Yeah, so you guys have been like, so I was introduced to your work at Crazy Eights, like a lot of people. Actually, yes, Crazy Eights, because I was thinking about Five Fingers of Fury. The entire five last like five years, I mean three years of my life are like messed up. Yeah, but um, yeah, me, me and Joel like we we like saw like the um. You know, we saw the poster for it, and, like, he knew of you guys somehow because you're somehow connected to people, but I was just like, what is this? Like, some secret agent shit? Like, I was like, I don't I don't know how this fits in with all the other films, and then I watched it, and we, like, lost our shit. We, like, gave... We're, like, the only two people who stood up throughout <laughs> Crazy Eights, and we gave you guys a standing ovation no at the end. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we were, like, awesome. yelling from the balcony, and all these, like, proper, like, Vancouver people were, like, looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> awesome <laughs> and i was like these guys these guys are in in the shit for real yeah i mean josh you just come out of your fourth year right of, of fourth, what? yes that's right yeah yeah coming from there i didn't actually graduate mm-hmm. up. 
like, <laughs> just the heads yeah, up. Yeah, just, yeah. But, like, you know, for four years of film school, yeah, it kind of does kind of get you close to people, you know, like, like Daniel. Yeah, but we weren't, like, you know, in the industry or that much of a thing, right? Like, no. So I guess it, it was kind of, you're going into it wondering if people really knew who we were. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was kind of cool, at least on the Vancouver scale, for people to, like, hear about us that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of just a couple guys looking to make people laugh. So, how, so you got you guys actually and um, Alex Love King, you guys are like a trio kind of. I mean, you you all each work on your independent projects, yeah. but specifically with that one and with the projects kind of since. So how'd you all meet? Oh, I think there's many times we actually met a long time ago, but specifically with Daniel, we actually went to film school together at Capilano, mm-hmm. start twenty fifteen. And, you know, we were in different sections, kind of like Hogwarts, you know, they have like, different, <laughs> different houses, you know? Yeah, what? It didn't feel in... like Hogwarts when we were there, but that's a great no, I, I can kind of see like kind of yeah. like Hogwarts, you know? I was section two, Daniel yeah. was section four, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and then like, you know, we kind of just went on our own paths, and we just, we saw each other from afar, like, hey, I like your stuff, I like your stuff too. And Josh edited my first year film. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, and that was our first time really seriously working together. Yeah, right, and it's and... funny, yeah, uh, you dire- uh, Daniel directed Plot Hole. Yep. And I edited Plothole and Mitch Baxter, who also um, DOP'd Mr. James is Dead, also DOP'd this too. And Luis yeah. was on set too, who produced Mr. James is Dead. So it was yeah. kind of like a nice yeah. little beginning process. We kind of knew, oh, wow, we, we work pretty well together. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, as you know, um, the Joel is an alumni of CAP, and we mm-hmm. have kind of like a, we go way back like that too. We, we go back to high school, actually, but it's oh. the same kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about going back to high school? That's where me and Alex met. Oh, yeah? Uh, was in high school. And he was uh, in grade nine, I think, when I was in grade twelve. So I didn't know him. I didn't know them very well. But uh, then uh, they came out to Vancouver after graduating. Okay. And the timing was kind of perfect because that's when uh, Josh you, and I were doing stuff. Where you guys from originally? Salt Spring Island. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of ten thousand people. So that's a um, kind of a wacky place to grow up, isn't it? It is a wacky. It's place. a very artsy little town. Yeah. Uh, or at least it's very uh, the arts kind of. Very supportive of them there. Right, yeah, right. So you got a lot of people who are into that kind of thing. And, uh, I love that place. All the arts and crafts and like all the little like mom and pop shops and like the the witchy vibes, I guess. The witchy vibes. The witchy vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, um, what's it called? Uh, Yerba, Yerba Mate store there that sells like where you go in and the, I think the only caffeinated beverage they sell is Yerba Mate. So you sit down and they, I don't know if they had, they probably have those in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they have one in Vancouver. No? I don't know. Things are, man, I haven't been keeping track of what's been going on in the city that much. Like yesterday, I walked through you know that area that kind of like leads up to east hastings and it's just getting like crazy gentrified yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like just right before east hastings like uh it's like strathcona area or whatever on the water or whatever yeah and yeah all kinds of weird stores like that are popping up like i'm pretty sure some place that only sells yerba mate will right. be like next to some place that only sells varieties of herbal teas yeah, someone was telling me uh, about a about a mushroom store where you buy mushrooms, but it's just like a yeah. wall that's not labeled, and you have to go in, and there's like a mural, and then you sneak past. And, yeah, like, this is is this on topic at all? No, no, it completely <laughs> is because th- this is the deal with the whole like it's you, we have to like set the foundation for where we came from. Right. Oh, okay, okay. So that's there's a method to my madness here, because <laughs> so. Because you say you're from Salt Spring Island, we have to talk about like right, yeah. being a part of this kind of Vancouver thing. And then, yeah. Josh, you, you're obviously not from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was 
I actually grew up in Thailand for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, 10 years in international school. And then I moved here, yeah, when I was 10, I guess. Right. And yeah, basically went to a public school, you know, normal high school stuff and everything. But I think I really started becoming my own person in CAP, like mm-hmm. middle school. I met all these awesome people yeah. and everything too. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm an, I mean, I'm an immigrant too. So, came. my parents and I came from Romania when I was three and a half. Holy smoke. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? That's like at such an early age to move. Well, uh, I I think I probably talked about this before, but like the the country just had gone through a regime change. There was like a di- communist dictatorship, and then it got overthrown, and then there was like n- like no government for a while. So my parents and a lot of people just like bailed out when they could. Mm-hmm. You know, like the '90s were a weird time for Eastern Europe. So like the '80s and '90s, but yeah. So um, international schools, huh? Yeah, yeah. What's that like? Uh, back in Thailand, it was really nice because, like, uh, you know, in an international school, there's so much diversity around me. So like, I was yep. uh, around Thai people, Indian people, you know, and just just see so many walks of life in one area. Growing up, especially, mm-hmm. I didn't really. I grew up with so much like perspectives on life. You know, visiting people's houses. We had international day where people went to school and dressed up in their different their, outfits like, yeah. cultures and everything i got to learn so much about it that it made me really like lonely i feel yeah I, I love like reading up on different people's cultures and everything and it made me really appreciate where i was and where i and where these people came from and then coming to canada after when i was 10 the seeing it was kind of also kind of mirrored here too because i see also a lot of diversity here as well yeah to some extent right but like especially grew up in a in a, in a high school in surrey which is mostly like a there's a lot of asians there a lot of indian a lot of like different i, I felt like i didn't really have to change too much of my viewpoint of people in life because yeah. it, it was so diverse in thailand and it's so diverse here in canada in my area mm-hmm. that I, I didn't really feel like i had to shift too much because yeah it was great it, it was not that bad <laughs> i have to show you um when we're finished i have to show you this short film that i made with the thai student of joel's it's like the the wildest thing i've ever made yeah. in my like film oh, career yeah and and it, it actually i wonder uh you're really into i know this because of Mr. James's dad, and I especially know this because of Reverse, and even your, uh, even your uh, quarantine performance project, you're really into martial arts yes. films. Yes, I love martial arts, yeah. Is that like, um, when did that start? Uh, my first ever martial arts was actually Taekwondo when I was like in grade 9. I, I love like moving. I, I, oh, so you started doing martial arts <laughs> when you were in Canada. Yeah, in Canada, yes. But then even back then in Thailand, I did a lot of dance back then. Like, okay. Dancing to music and everything, right? Filipinos, they love their music and their art. And just dancing is part of that, right? Yeah. And it just so happened to be so synonymous with, for me with like martial arts where you can basically learn how to do a pattern, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And you learn how to punch or kick. And I thought, you know, I like Jackie Chan too. So I thought I might as well go to like martial arts for a bit, right? Yeah. And yeah, my love for that came from just moving and just seeing people move and wanting to move a lot as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, because your films, they do... Um mesh dance with fighting a lot like mm. specifically the better forever yes yes is i would oh, sorry no no go ahead yeah i wouldn't say like it's not only me i would say daniel is the one who pushes more to dancing than i do. which is really funny because yeah. you're the one with the most dance experience yeah. out of the three of us <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. wacky yeah oh really because because yeah. yeah um because alex is a great dancer oh yeah yeah and they did dance throughout all of high school yeah. Um, and they always undersell themselves when it comes to their experience in it. Yeah. Oh, they're, oh God. In the better, in all of your projects, they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. They, they were the only one out of the three of us that could do the worm. 
which yeah. is really funny because yeah. that ended up being a necessary component of uh, Mr. The James War. is Dead. Yeah. They're, um, well, they got the long canvas for it, too. Yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> they so. Got, they got that canvas to paint on. <laughs> to the dune worm body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, that's really cool, though. So when did uh, both of you, I guess we'll start with Josh and then we'll go to Daniel. When did you decide that you wanted to make films? Was it something you knew from a young age? Or? Yeah, funny. Actually, <clears throat> You know, it started, obviously, lots of our things that we love start when we are kids, right? So, when I was a kid, I'd play with toys a lot, right? Yeah. And obviously, I'd make a lot of, and with these toys, these action figures, these dolls, I'd make little movies in my head, you know, as, as, as kids do. Like, you like, go on these little adventures with your toys and, and everything, right? And i make little sagas and adventures with these toys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just started my love for, like, just telling stories and awesome adventures and everything, right? Yeah. Then fast forward to high school, I was tasked with a, a planning class to kind of figure out what we want to do with our lives. Uh, one of the projects was about um, the the bad things of, of LSD or something like that. Oh. They wanted they wanted to talk about like about they wanted to, um, us to make a project about why LSD is bad for you. Oh, oh right. And I was like, oh I, yeah, I didn't know back then. Okay, sure, let's do it. And then we wanted to make a video project. Was like you know me and my friends are a bunch of clowns just want to fool around. Yeah. So we use that ex- we use that project as an excuse to make us do some jackass shit basically, right? For right. for for school. Yeah. So like you know. Just have a shot of guiding LSD, and that gave us an excuse to just blow the doors wide open and, like, you know, do the most wacky shit in front of our school. Cause, that's oh, that's so bad because LSD is gonna make me do that shit. But then, at the end of the day, we showed the most wacky film ever, yeah. And in the teacher's lap, the class lap, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, you know, that was the to do wacky shit. I bet that the teachers, like some of them too, they're just like, oh man, we have to tell these kids that LSD is bad. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like part of the curriculum, it's like. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I don't. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't done mushrooms. Right. Oh, yeah, same here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's out in the public now. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. They're yeah. kind of uh, they're legal in a lot of places, and like like Daniel just said, there's a there's a <laughs> there's a dispensary in town with a special do- knock on the door, and yeah, <laughs> so sure. it's getting more and more. Yeah. And, as, and to build up on that, real yeah. quick. So after that that experience, like making people laugh, I thought, wow, yeah. great. But then, like the, the the whole test thing about what you wanted to do in your yeah. life ended up with me being either a cop or like you know, right. either a cop or like a uh, what do you call it, a civil really? engineer or a computer scientist. Like really, very, like big brain math yeah. kid, right? Yeah, you were good at math. Yeah, yeah. And then growing up, I watched like a lot of like police movies, like you know, Cop yeah. Story, Jackie Chan, and everything. Right? I was like, man, I want to be a cop. Maybe I'll be good. But then over time, I learned I actually want to make those movies. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I went to cap, and then the rest is history, right? Wow. definitely the same story that's interesting because i i was pre-med in university because okay. i was watching doctor shows oh. <laughs> when i when i when i had to choose my courses in high school and and i didn't realize i just wanted to make shows right right, right? that's crazy <laughs> i know that's so yeah. funny yeah i think about that like about the way they dramatize police in the films versus the way they really are too yeah because i was gonna write this long facebook status about james bond and how like it's like this advertisement for the cia that are actually fuck up and they destabilize governments Mm -hmm. but then i like stopped writing and i was like no james bond is about a sexy dude who uh goes up against some like made-up evil guy (laughs) and just and just wears sweet suits drives cool cars and and you know and gets with beautiful women it has nothing to do with the world of international politics (laughs) right (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Daniel? Uh, what's the What's the question? 
And the question I'm is, what? How did you get into filmmaking, right? Oh, okay, okay. I, I, um, I, I, I would have to uh, say that I started with, I think, Star Wars and Harry Potter fan films. Okay, oh, uh, you made, yeah. No. <laughs> um, but, but, like, this is like you know before I knew what I was doing at all, and this was an iMovie. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and that um, with my friend on Salt Spring, and uh, they're still on a hard drive somewhere that my dad has. Um, if he had any ill will towards me that he could post. It makes sense though, right? No, because you got... This is an interesting thing that I like. There's like this divide between people, especially here in Vancouver, that I think is interesting, right? Where like half the filmmakers I meet, and especially the ones in the indie industry, they'll tell you stories like what you guys just did. When I was a kid, I just couldn't like... I wanted to make movies, so I found a way, you know? Like whether it was jackass (laughs) movies or like fanfic that I made. And there's other people that were like, I knew I wanted to be in film, so I became a PA, and I knew that if right. I worked, like, 20 years, I would get to the, yeah. the end of the industry, right? Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't know. I'm sure that those are both valid ways to go, but I just find the films made by people who just, like, even if they don't have any money, they just can't keep their hands off a camera mm-hmm. are just so much more compelling. Thinking about that today as well, because I worked in MOWs for a while, and I still have a lot of friends who do, and um, a lot of people get, like, great gigs in, in MOWs, and, and it's, like... Yeah. roles that you can't get on some you know features that are a bigger budget like acting and directing roles and that kind of thing um and there you know you can post and share about that kind of stuff but um and i was thinking about it because the short that we were just working on uh yesterday and the day before i'm like the roles in that have got to be way more fulfilling and amazing to put on your reel oh yeah and um so in a way, even though it's less legitimate to be making a short on your own without like a production company behind it, like it's making MOWs, the the roles you're getting and the stuff you're doing is in a sense more legitimate and more awesome. Yeah, I mean it really just depends on who's looking, right? Too like yeah, I I used to be insecure about that because like all the acting I I the my entry into filmmaking was actually as an actor, um, and all the stuff that I made was stuff that like was with friends and stuff and was like interesting and weird but all the actors that i would see that would have demo reels they would have like they would be playing like a two-line role and in the bottom corner it would say like some notable show and i'd be like well fuck like nobody's ever gonna pick me because i didn't work on legends of tomorrow right yeah, yeah. but but i got to do shit that's actually cool yeah you know yeah. so what's that like for you guys like creating content and like where do you see it going it's kind of an open-ended question i i ask myself that all the time <laughs> well i guess you're looking at me first where do you see it going yeah. yeah like what's the or maybe it doesn't even matter where it goes as long as you're having a good time i'm on that camp right now you know yeah. like i i just want to make things that are just true to me because yeah. a part of the thing a part of my big brain right now is like just to be super honest with myself and who i want to be as a person right mm. and then, you know honestly for me i just want to have a good time on this earth while i'm still here you know and, and that involves making movies with my friends right like i like sure i gotta it, like it, it could be hard sometimes but then i always feel so satisfied you know mm-hmm. see at the end of a shoot with some friends especially when we're here recently right just this just, just being with good company and good friends and yeah in granville island you never get to do that you know you guys were shooting in granville island yesterday yes we have permits to shoot on granville it's the most amazing thing ever yeah. right and shooting overnight it's it's like there's almost no one there. It's got this feeling of like um, quintessential Vancouver. The, the lighting yeah. is so beautiful, and we get all these arts yeah. and shops and everything. 
So we are so lucky that we got to yeah. do that. The liminal yeah. spaces are everywhere. Yeah, liminal like, spaces. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like it's crazy that you know. Sure, I guess yeah, an MLW could fit there, but then you're gonna right. have to attach that. You can't be working all the time. But then you know, I'm with my friends, I can get to really enjoy and soak in the moment, and you know, knowing that we're making something freaking incredible that nice. I can be yeah. proud of. Like even though I'm just as a grip and yeah, yeah, yeah. this thing, I just, I'm just happy to be there with my friends and you know, make an impact some way somehow. You know, I I know the the way me and Joel started working together after high school was that he made a feature on like five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. That's yeah. Insane. Which one was that? Shooting the musical. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. one about where the guy's making the high school shooting musical. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I just like I didn't care. Like I just wanted to be there. So like even though I didn't have like a job per se, like I was there every day on set just because I wanted to be part of the magic of it, you know. And then you know, and then I just kept getting bit parts, or I would like he'd be like, "Hey, Mike, like, can you like, I need a." I need a fake script so we can get this location at UBC. Can you write me a script? <laughs> and hey, Mike, like I need you. I need you to be a getaway car unless like the cops stop us from shooting, right? Because you can't get any permits. Yeah. And it's just like you just want to be near it, right? You just want to be like near the act of creation. Yes. There's something about it. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just there's nothing like there's nothing else than when you have like a stupid idea when you're high or whatever. <laughs> And then two weeks later, you're standing there and you see it happening in front of you. Yeah, the I mean, thing that's that was in your head. so great about running gun as well, right? Is it forces you basically into that situation. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. yeah, see, so the last couple of guests that I've had on this podcast have been like people who have worked in the industry industry. Like you have, like you're talking about the MOWs and stuff. And shit is like hard out there. Like the 14 hour days. Yeah. The, the hierarchical thinking, the disrespect, and now like IATSE is striking for the first time. Yeah, I guess this is your first podcast leading up to the IATSE potential strike, right? Like, well, it's like yeah, it's happening. Yeah. yeah, so this is like the one. Yeah, um, that's where this is kind of happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Why? Are I, I assume for you too? Like growing up, my entire life, everything I heard about filmmaking was like, yeah, you're gonna work fourteen hour days and want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna get overworked even if you get a job and then yeah. like people like stories of people getting into car crashes on the way home like this is an interesting thing why do we think in film that that's okay but like at no other job it is and what's the difference between when you're doing that with your friends making something you're passionate about or when you're working in a hallmark setting yeah we just had this conversation we right did, we just yeah. did the other day like, you know, Crazy Eights. Yeah. Yeah. I love them and everything. They're great. I'm not going to... No, no, no. I've worked them for them, too. And it's yeah. one of the projects I'm most proud of. So. It's amazing. Amazing time. But then, like, you also notice sometimes you tend to go, kind of go overtime. And yeah. Stuff. But then, every time on a Crazy Eights, like, whether it be Tesh's job, Monster's Machine, or even our film, right? Mm-hmm. I could just feel the electricity in the air because people just want to see this product come to life. You know, that passion, right? Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it paid off. You know, Mr. James Dead brought so much joy to our lives yeah. and yeah. people involved in it as well, right? They could say, yes, I was part of Mr. James. And that, I could safely say that it's kind of like a calling card. And also, I think it could be something that, not to talk so highly, but I think something that, that shows Vancouver, Vancouver yeah. like, this is where it's at, you know? This I, is where we're going, you know? Yeah, I'd that. And I would endorse that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you have to be humble about that because that's, I felt that in the room when, when it first screened, you know, that like that, that's it. That's what we have to be going towards. Exactly. And I felt that, especially in the Crazy Eights uh, gala as well, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, that, that came with what, like one hour of overtime? 
confusion sometimes. There was a bit of there, there was, was a, bit, a bit of overtime. There was a bit of overtime. <laughs> we weren't supposed to be right. Take. Yeah, and the we, first day we were really good. The second day we were less good, and then the third day, unfortunately, we yeah, we did feel pretty bad at the moment. But then, like every time I told guys, can we can we stay? Thank you guys so much for your time. And then they're all, I, I was talking to every single crew member talking about this overtime yeah. thing, right? But then every time they told me, they reassured me, no, this is freaking awesome. I love, yeah. it. I love I, being here, you know? I have it was a, amazing, you know? a lot to say about this. Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 Because I'm also a member of IATSE and here. Yeah. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I've had conversations with people there. And then obviously from the directing side of things. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I think it, it's important that, you know, on volunteer and smaller shoots as well, you're respecting people as much, if not more than on these bigger productions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's also an understanding, especially if you're working with your friends and stuff like that yeah. in small groups, that um, for a few days, you know, you're you're going, it's kind of like a, you know, it's a... Yeah. It's an adventure, you know? A long adventure. People are passionate and they want to get a project made, and if they're all there and they want to be there, that's different than, uh, like, I was on Once Upon a Time yeah. for a little bit. And that was a show that was 10 months long. There was three hours of meal penalty every day, and we would do at least 14-hour days and often 16-hour days five days a week for 10 months. So I didn't, I did not, it was not a show call on that show, Yeah. but that is what I think is the problem right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and at least in Vancouver, I don't, I can't speak for LA. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want that to change that I know, I know mm-hmm. because they're making money off of that. And, and they're not worried about obviously the damage that they are or are not aware that it's doing to their body and to their mentality mm-hmm. um, and to their lives and their family, etc. Yeah, see, I think about this. I've thought about the way to conceptualize working for free or working long hours or being exploited at work in film, right? Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is that if I'm working on something I'm passionate about with friends, I don't give a shit. You know, I'll work, I'll sleep on set. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'll... Yeah. It'll be, a you know, like if I'm on a 48 hour or whatever, I don't care. But if I'm getting like if I'm working a job where it's a job, then like the rule that I've had in my mind is if the if the guy that I'm working for or the person that I'm working for is making money. And I'm not, then there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I like to think about that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. person at the top should be losing the most. Yeah. From this, you know, like. They they should be if 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 the crew has to suffer, so do the people on top. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's something that's happening in the industry or that has always happened, where there's this mentality that like you get to make movies, therefore you should be happy with whatever you get. Yeah. Oh. Even if what you're making is like <laughs> Hallmark movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's I've pretty fucked. People like lose their shit at me for uh, toiling a cable wrong or not fast enough, and I'm like, dude, like, you realize we're working on like Barney the Musical, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, and it's it's coiling a cable. Yeah, like yeah. chill out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're all gonna get home at the end of the day, safe and sound, and that's what matters, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, right? Yeah, it, right. What was weird is like. Like that dude from Riverdale crashed his car after like working too many hours, mm-hmm. and even then, like that was in the news, but it wasn't a wake up call to change. Didn't they go to twelve? What I heard is they did twelve hour days max. Yeah. I don't know if that's still happening. Um, I, so I can't speak to that. Then that's just word of mouth. Yeah. Um. So that's a bit of a change, but not enough. Yeah. 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 No. So it's it's interesting, I guess, because <laughs> the the industry people will like. I've had arguments with industry people who are like, at least we have rules and unions. 
and you indie right. people like you guys and that's like all the indie sets that i've been on have had so much more care and humanity in them yeah and like the friends that i know that make films versus the people who work in the industry that claim to be protected which is interesting i don't know where i'm going with this but <laughs> no and i this is like literally josh and we were talking about this yesterday because it is a weird such a weird thought that all this is happening right now and, and how relevant it is to uh, the the things where literally no one's getting paid and you're asking your friends to work crazy hours to make stuff yeah. that you know you all want to make together and mm-hmm. and and especially i think the line gets really blurred once you get like what i'm trying i'm trying to get like telefilm or larger funding for the feature right right and so once you get to a point where you have enough money to make a feature but you're still making it with your friends and you're still not going to be able to pay them enough and as you should be on a larger gig now you're at a point where there's going to be some strangers on set there's some people you don't know that don't want to work those hours and you need to be respectful but you're also still a small crew and you don't have the money you know yeah then i'm then i haven't gotten to that point yet but i'm scared about what's going to happen when i am i know me too because uh, i had like i had one experience where i had like a small grant and i won't like talk about the film or whatever but it was small, but it was big enough that people thought we had funding, and like some people were really stoked, but then some people were not okay with it, and I had like only learned afterwards, and I never want to be that guy again, you know? Yeah. But again, it was like it's like ten grand from StoryHub, which is like peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like, people don't understand that with a small grant like that, it it's almost cheaper. Like, it's almost better to make a movie with no money. Because yeah, because once you have that grant, then there's certain expectations that start making things cost more, even. Yeah, yeah, and so I just think about all that. I think about uh, the in, I don't know why it's been on my mind, but the intersection between business and creation, and like how how messy it gets. But but let's get back to uh, your guys's films. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Let's talk about reverse. You guys, Daniel, did you work on reverse at all? I did. I helped with lighting. Yes, you helped with lighting. Right, right. right. So you guys kind of handed that off, or like, even if you're not, um, even if you're not like directly like working like hand in hand on set, you you guys will help each other on set. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll help Josh with anything I can, and then literally Josh was helping me return the gear from the short film I was working on yesterday. Always happens that. (laughs) So, did you get a lot of comments about how like? Uh, it really had like looper vibes. Yes, I did. Yes, that, big inspiration. I mean, was yeah. that an inspiration? Yes, I do. Yes, it is. I I, I don't claim full credit for writing the whole thing. Uh, it, that goes to Paulo Valdez and Curtis Lum as well, the lead. Yeah, and myself as well. We're all in the room, just you know, going back and forth about all that stuff. But yeah, definitely, looper was a big uh, inspiration. Nice. Yeah. No, that came across like really. That it, talk about stretching like a an indie budget thin like. And making it work, like those production values and that choreography was incredible. Who who did that? Who who did the choreography? Thanks. Yes, uh, that's my 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 right hand man, uh, Derek Biscara. He's a mm-hmm. choreographer and a stunt person in the industry. And I can also credit uh, and uh, assistant fight coordinator Nick Nick Wenacruz mm-hmm. and stunt coordinator Rory Pio. Shout shout out to them. I love them so much. Yeah, you guys like. I know that they don't give you. The, I don't know how. Like they give you as much as they can, and they're such a great organization, Bath. But they don't give you that much to make it look like you really nailed those like 
James Bond vibes, like those, like Matrix James Bond vibes. Like it was very well executed. It was really impressive. Thank so, you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, a just... lot of it was like, yeah, we had to stretch the budget there, and also I knew going into it that you said it. You said it really earlier back then. Like the person who's at the top has the most to lose about this too. Actually. Yeah. So you know, obviously I invested a lot of my time and my money into it as well, but I also want to make the crew feel like I'm with them. You know, like yeah. be in the trenches with them. Like I'm not. Taking this, I want this to be an adventure that all of us can go on together. Yeah. And I think I would also say the reverse was the hardest thing ever done because there's so much technical stuff and everything as well. But I just felt really good because again, I'm with my friends and with my family. It was like a big mix of like yeah. all my films. Mr. James of Dead was there, uh, Dirty Laundry was there, you know, Five Fingers Beer. Like, everyone was there, and this felt like a big, like Infinity War esque <laughs> kind of project, <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my, in my world, in my world. Yeah, I just realized something. Um, you talking about that kind of full circle moment where all your people came together. When you guys started, uh, like, kind of, or at least when I got to know who you are, so you had just gotten out of film school when you got the Crazy Eights, right? And Daniel, you'd already been working? Yeah, I did two years of the same school. So you guys are, like, the same age, or you started at the same time, but you just, you kind of, you did two years, and then you went right into the industry. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, Mr. James is dead came out of Crazy AIDS, and then a month later the pandemic happened. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah. very interesting. That was really interesting. <laughs> so you guys is like my knowledge of you and your careers, I guess, so far as a creative duo, have been on the backdrop of the pandemic almost entirely. Mm, definitely, yeah. What's what's that been like? Yeah, I guess for me, I would say in a weird way the pandemic. Yes, it was a curse, but it was also kind of a blessing for mm-hmm. us. For I mean, for in, in my world, it was. Like, sure, like, coming out of Mr. James' day was freaking a lightning in a bottle. I felt it everywhere. People were always messaging me, DMing, and everything. I was so happy with my team. We were, we were ready to take yeah. on the next thing. Yeah. But then the world shut down. And in a way, it was kind of like a, oh, okay, we can breathe. Now mm-hmm. there's not too many high expectations for us to do something mm-hmm. at the level of Mr. James' dead anymore. Yeah. So, like, now we can kind of pull in the reins a bit and do whatever the heck we want now, right? So that yeah. led, for me, that led to Five Fingers of Fury, which was literally just me and my sister and my brother in a room, and that was fun. Yeah, and you're doing the things you talked about that made you want to be a filmmaker, just playing with action yeah, figures. Just, yeah, but even less, you're playing with your thumbs. Exactly, just with your fingers, right? So because of the, pan- the backdrop of the pandemic, the expectations on us so it was a lot lower. But then that made us, that allowed us to really break that expectation every single time we come back out of the, the woodwork, you know? And it was fun. <laughs> you know, I like I like doing that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, you you come out of Mr. James is dead, and you make something in your room with your siblings, and it still wins the quarantine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was eight hundred people, right? Eight hundred submissions. Uh, the like that. was around. I don't know how many people were in that one, but it also went to the Isolation Short Film Festival, which was like Canada wide, mm. and it topped that one as well. So I'm pretty yeah. proud of that. that wow, amazing. cool. Yeah, 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 I remember. I remember talking to you about that, and I was like, I'm going to make something for this. What are you thinking? And then in the last moment, you're like, no, I don't think I'm going to do anything for it. Did you compete? Yeah, yeah. Then I ended up bailing. Yeah. And Josh ended up making that yeah. at the very last second. So it's really funny how like how much you talk about something. It doesn't really matter. It's just doing it that matters. It's just doing it's just it. Going, you pull exactly. through. Yeah, that, yeah. Which is amazing. And I will say with Five Fingers of Fury, uh, it, it, that was like literally like a 40-hour film festival thing as well. It was legit made in like two days. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that was just so fun and in the moment, like, yeah, fuck it, let's 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 put a flashback scene, let's see how about how that, how that goes, and it was just so fun, you know. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. incredible. Um, what about you, Daniel? How's it been for you working in the pandemic? <laughs> well, I I want to say about Mr. James is dead, which yeah. led into this. 
uh, you can look at it as, as being very unlucky because we didn't get the screen in person anywhere. For except a, a for long time. Yeah, the initial. Yeah. yeah, yeah, except for that one screening of Crazy Eights. And our film is, I think, very much out of, you know, any film you want to watch, one that's great in person. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of interacts with the crowd so much. I remember the feeling of sitting in the audience oh, and hearing the so crowd react. Fun. It was like nothing I'd felt before, and that was amazing. You almost wish you could go back in time and like <laughs> yeah. realize that that's the last that you're that last time, right? I, I wish I could have recorded the sound just so I could know where people were laughing and when, because it's totally different. You don't expect people to laugh anyway. But but I think you can also look at it as being really really lucky for us because if we'd gone to picture a month later, Mr. James said would never have happened. Right. And we wouldn't have that movie, and it was so important for us. So mm -hmm. I think yeah. we were super, super lucky. Uh, and doing that with a micro team would have presented its own enormous challenges and everything that we had to do with Crazy Eight last year. Yeah, yeah you're never going to forget this time in your lives, you know? Never, no. Never, ever. So great. And so what I did was I did with Alex um, Untitled Coffee Show, which I don't know if you've seen, but we just posted it on Vimeo it didn't go into anything or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, you just made it. Yeah. We just made it just to be like it's me and Alex and nobody else. Kind of similar to what you did. I, I was gonna stick back. But it was, uh, but like the coloring, the sound design, the music. I learned how to use FL Studio. Have you? Have you? Uh, you got GarageBand here? No. So I used yeah, yeah, GarageBand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I learned. I learned using like GarageBand a long time ago, but I had learned an entire FL Studio, and I learned how to use Resolve for it like i literally spent like months just learning new programs for the first time in years because i you know learned premiere years ago and then never switched and uh it was fucked <laughs> it was terrible man i hated it but uh yeah, yeah no it is yeah. fucked i yeah i just learned uh premiere this year because of the pandemic too where yeah. i was just like now i edit my podcast on it but i uh was like i need new skills because i can't go audition anymore <laughs> Before the pandemic, I fired both my agents. Oh no! <laughs> like right, like when Mr. James is dead and stuff was coming out. And then now you can only audition virtually. Well, because I wrote a feature and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take charge of my own career, and these people aren't working for me. Yeah, I'm gonna find new representation, and it's like the Renaissance of Mike. You know, it's yeah. How I felt, and I was like, oh no, the world is dead. Get fucked, <laughs> Get fucked Mike. Did you you have been shitty before uh, the pandemic? Yeah. No, no, no. no. I started being shitty during the pandemic. Yeah, this is episode. Well, we run gun y'all y'all guys are episode lucky 13 i think Ooh, oh that's sick. right there that sick. yeah that's, sick. that's awesome so yeah yeah i think uh but it's been really cool because these conversations have really been giving me life in a weird way because i you know when you're online especially me because i post controversial shit all the time oh, yeah um, you you only get to like have that and then have the reaction. So getting people into my space after not seeing people forever, having like a long conversation about why we love film, and like what makes us passionate. It just like I feel like a person when I do this. Yeah. Speaking of why yeah. we love film, I wanted to talk to you guys about your influences. Like, what what do you like? Mm -hmm. like? Like just in general. Yeah. What films do you like? What, what films, films inspire you? I, you know, I mean, you can probably see it in my <laughs> DNA in my films. Like, I, I'm, I'm inspired by Edgar Wright a lot. Yeah. And I really like how precise Bong Joon Ho is with his work, you know, mm -hmm. with the way he shoots things and like storyboarding and all that stuff. He just knows exactly what he wants. You guys do storyboards? Oh yeah, storyboards is, is my is my jam. It is my bread and butter. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and lastly, I, th I think Akira Kurosawa is really influential for me as well because I just love the way movement is such a 
thing that's it's so ingrained in me, whether it's yeah. dance, martial arts, camera movement. Kirk Rosawa is so masterful at that stuff, and you know, I don't want to sound pretentious about it, but hmm. yeah, he's like he's one of my like he's like one of my biggest influences. Yeah. Yeah, I really like his non samurai films. Yeah. Even too, like yeah, people- high and low. Yeah, or Ikiru yeah. or stuff. Oh, Ikiru's so good. Yeah, oh. Mayumi and I yeah. talked about Ikiru for like the entire last 10 minutes of our podcast. But yeah, because he employs that motion even when he's telling like low concept stories. Mm-hmm. Like, super cool. What about you, Danny? Uh, it doesn't have I'm to bad be. At this one? No, um, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> I'll tell you, I love shit like Freddy Got Fingered and Hot Rod. Um,. <laughs> 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 Well, yeah, not in the sense that I'm not going to pick a pretentious director, uh, but just in the sense that like, I feel like y- you got to trace the work back, or at least this is what they taught us in film school, right? To like yeah. The, OG yeah, right. the OG people that created the style. And so for me, it's more, I I would be like like Edgar Wright or like Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I um, see that. Magnolia is, I think, possibly my favorite movie, which is crazy because I hate long movies. Me too. I hate anything over like an hour forty, um, but it's a three-hour-long movie, and I just couldn't like, like, I, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it. But the ending of the film, they just do something for fifteen minutes that just makes absolutely no fucking sense. <laughs> it's the craziest out of nowhere. Why would you write this into your script? Yeah, and they just did it, and it, and I hope you can see that in stuff like Mr. Danger's Dead or yeah. and other projects we're doing where it's like. How often are you watching a movie and you're just bored and you're like, this is something I've seen before or like, okay, and then they're going to get back together and it's like, uh, and now you're doing like fucking, you got a dragon smash through the window and it's like, that's not what happens, but it's that that level of like, what the fuck? I love that shit. Uh, absurdity man you gotta inject the world is absurd yeah. reality is absurd like yeah people going for realism like in real life the craziest shit happens all the time right especially like, this year is proof of that so yeah. you gotta yeah. inject something yeah. something surprising into your work i've been reading a book about uh directing yeah believe it or not and uh, one of the things that is written in it uh is about uh oh no maybe this is from a master class yeah um but anyway it's talking about how like a lot of times people be like, yeah, a character wouldn't do that. But people in real life do shit that they wouldn't do all the time. Like, yeah. People in real yeah. life are crazy and weird and they're they're not consistent. Mm-hmm. And same with reality, like you're saying now. Yeah, I think when an actor says, because usually an actor who says that, right? Like they say, my character wouldn't do that. And they'll say that yeah. even if they're talking to a director who wrote it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is yeah. weird. Yeah. But um, I think they say that more because they're like afraid of looking bad. You know, and that's like the trust relationship I think between like a director and an actor, and like and the director and everybody they're working with is like they won't say things like that, or they won't be hesitant if they really trust you. And it's like, how do you get them to trust you? It's yeah. difficult. Um, I really like Boogie Nights by PTA. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a perfect yeah, I, movie. I watched that one. That is a good one. But uh, yeah. what was yeah. I gonna say? Oh yeah, the ninety-minute thing, or like the hundred-minute film, or whatever. Dunkirk, man, like. You can make a war epic in that amount of time. Why the fuck would I ever watch a four-hour war movie again? Have you seen it? You haven't seen Dunkirk? No. I've seen it, but on a plane. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not the best. best Have you seen it, Mike? Yeah, I've seen it. I love it. Of course. You love it? Wait, so was that a a four-hour war movie? No, no. Dunkirk is an hour and 40 minutes lean. Oh. Lean. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it good? So good, yeah. I think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie. Oh, wow. Um, Because it's... Yeah, it's just... 
there's no fat on it at all. And then I just watched the new Venom movie. Like, I wasn't going to watch it, but then I read somewhere that it's 90 minutes. And so I watched it. Like, that's a real selling point to me if a <laughs> yeah, movie doesn't yeah. overstay its welcome. Francis yeah. Ha, one of the biggest influences for what we're working on right now, it's, yeah. I think, a 90-minute movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't... Like, am I crazy? They don't make 90-minute movies. Anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's no. 70 minutes, even. Like, it's insane. And everybody milks everything. Like, I mean, look, there's some movies where, like, Dune that's coming up is two and a half hours, and right. it's like, yeah, okay. For Dune, you yeah. can take that long. Right. Yeah. For for another disposable Marvel movie, make it 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? I hate Marvel. I, I did like yeah. this is, sorry this is a this is a bit of a cringe take sometimes because a lot of people yeah, yeah. I hang out with uh, and even Alex who I went to gym with loves it yeah. but I might even watch them if they were like seventy or eighty minutes you know because yeah. then I'm then it's more like popcorn than I'm like sitting down for you want to talk about cringe takes or whatever <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I the new Spider Man that's coming out right yeah it's just like it I, I'm so sick of everything like being sold to us as having references to other things mm-hmm. yeah. right like the reason i got a boner at the end of that trailer is because i miss spider-man 2 and the reason i miss spider-man 2 is because there was just one villain one spider-man and no extended universe and yeah. they could just focus on the human story in there oh yeah like why why, why? but into the spider-verse oh yeah was a mesh of everything and still worked out somehow yeah because it, it like had it got the opportunity to create its own world and its own rules and it was like right. self-contained within that movie mm-hmm. you know like i'm sick of like having being told that i have to watch 50 other movies in order to see one movie yeah like it used mm-hmm. to be like you watch a sequel and you have to see the movie before to get it and that's like the limit of it and now you have to see like literally you have to see 30 movies to properly appreciate another one yeah. and then it teases the next 30 movies at the end of the movie in the post credit sequence like the amount of like intertextuality or whatever that we live with dang don't you think like you know like the era of the cowboy and everything right and just the era of the superhero movies like there's yeah. gonna be a time in the future when like like the, the new kids they're not gonna really watch the marvel movies they're gonna be stuck in like yeah. i don't want to watch 30 movies, movies to watch to watch infinity war it's gonna be a new whole ass era yeah you know what i mean and then that era is gonna be kind of like another layer in the fossil you know yeah i mean all era. it takes is like a and cleopatra then... right or wasn't that what happened many years ago yeah they went to make that way huge budget movie and it bombed and then after that they just something's gonna happen started making small movies again yeah. i mean you gotta respect the miracle of the fact that they were able to like make avengers endgame and somehow that whole era made sense but at, at a certain point they're gonna mess this up like yeah. how could they not like it's like you're yeah. playing with fire like now you have to watch tv shows too like you have to watch a 10 episode series that has an hour episode each time yeah. just to get what's going on in the bigger universe like it's and they're yeah. dealing with like multi-dimensional stuff i just damn man i don't get I, I don't watch I, it has too much yeah. not enough room in my yeah. brain yeah I, I log on to netflix and i look at it and i just go i don't want to see any of this yeah i haven't watched a movie in a long ass time yeah not really yeah you guys haven't really been watching films lately i mean you've been making them so yeah yeah but i think in a way if if us watch not watching movies it kind of gives us a kind of a fresh perspective on things sometimes because like you kind of go off the left field and whoa shit that's pretty nice i watch a lot of movies to research when i'm about to make a film so i've watched a lot of walk and talk movies recently because that's what because we're right. here is yeah so i watched victoria have you seen victoria yeah oh yeah that's one a, shot the one shot yeah that's a beautiful film two and a half hour movie amazing the first hour 
literally just walking and talking. Yeah. One shot. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, you talk about like Linklater's The Four Series. Have you guys seen those movies? Yeah, that's oh, before not. Sunrise. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the other two yet. Yeah. Well, those are just walk and talk movies, too. Yeah. And that's like probably my favorite trilogy. And it's just so simple. Yeah, that's one of your Facebook top 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's well, awesome. Sunset is. So, Chapter 2 is the best one, in my opinion. But That's what the, that's what I've heard. So, I need to see it. Well, chap- Chapter 2 also mm-hmm. happens to be the leanest. It's 80 minutes. Out the door. Yeah. Okay. You've actually sold me because I will say, as much as I love the movie, I'd get a bit bored at times because yeah. it is walk and talk, and that's what that's the that's some of the intention, right? Yeah. So chapter, yeah. You, I mean, I don't want to spoil any of that. <laughs> he's great. I love Linklater. Linklater's yeah. definitely one of my favorites. I'll watch chapter two. Yeah. Have you seen like uh, what Linklater did? Dazed and confused too, and like no, you. I mean, if you like that kind of movie, he's done a lot. Um. What was I gonna say? Yeah, so School of Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, School of Rock. Oh yeah, so isn't that the wildest? He did School yeah. of Rock and Before Sunrise. And then he went yeah. Boyhood after. Like, whoa, yeah. damn. School of Rock, four point five stars on Letterbox. That's my review. Oh yeah, great movie. Great movie. You have Letterbox? Oh yeah. yeah we got, I, do you follow me on Letterbox? I don't even know. Maybe not. I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll, follow we'll follow each other sure. regardless. We'll get each other's information. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, Linklater actually is kind of like the blueprint for what I want to do with this podcast even, right? Or like what Joel does more than really what I do is like he started a film society in Austin where he's from uh, where he just he, he got people together to watch films, you know, like classics and stuff and then have like a discourse about them. And then people just got to know each other, started making little movies together, right? And like mm-hmm. Linklater's first movie was like a no budget movie called... Uh, you can't learn to plow uh, by reading a book on plowing or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's epic. you can't even get that shit Dude, except on a DVD box yeah. set. And then he made Slacker after that, and Slacker made the rounds of the film festivals. And so for me, like that, I I think that's the the way that you have an actual fulfilling career in this shit, right? Is you make something small and it goes to festivals and people see something, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get to make another one, and then you see how it goes. Yeah. It can't just be you go and work on fucking um, Once Upon a Time for 10 years, and then yeah. they finally yeah. let you be a trainee first AD. And then they're like, oh, by the time that you're 80, you'll finally be directing. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me, yeah. 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 And, and, and then, you know, what happens if people follow that path is the sad part about it is, is that you keep seeing young guys who took that other route get the jobs in front of you. Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, there's jealousy both ways, right? Because I definitely am doing this, and you see people that are, like, doing, like, I don't know, second unit on big shows or, or what have you, right? Yeah. And you look at it, and you're like, oh, they're, like, legitimate. But in a sense, like we talked about before, right? It's, it's even more legitimate to be able to make your own stuff sometimes. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I think being in control of the story is the most important thing. Like in MOWs, I know a guy who directs just a bunch of MOWs, and it's yeah. like a dead end, which you, you can't, not, not in an, I don't mean that as in a bad thing about him, but it's hard to get out, because people don't watch MOWs and go, hey, do you want to direct this, you know, $1 million feature? No, right? yeah, exactly. People, but people, I don't know why, I guess it's just this whole, like, dome that capitalism has us under, that we think that's the way it's supposed to work. Like, we think you get in with the right people, you work really hard, and that's how you get, like... There's not even any examples of it. Most examples are somebody's parents are already up there and just got them a job. Yeah. But we still, there's like this myth of like, 
working your way up the ladder and making yeah. friends and networking, even though it's like never that. Uh, I, I think it all just stems to, for me, it's a sense of being really honest with who you, what you yeah. want to be and who you really are, right? Like, do I want to make movies? Yeah, but I want to make it like my way, you know? Yeah. And it is, you know, there's still that whole thing about making friends and sticking together and making that thing. I feel like I'm I'm living that in a way because I'm here with Daniel. I'm here with, uh, you know, with Luisa and Curtis and all my homies and everything. Yeah. Right? And I feel like I can bring them and just keep making cool things together and lifting each other up. So eventually, hopefully, you know, I don't know, someone will notice us or something like that, but like, I'm under the idea that like no one's really gonna roll the red carpet for us, right? We gotta do no. it ourselves. Like, I'm not gonna rely on the people up there to kind of do it. You know, you just gotta you, do it. You gotta sew the red carpet for yourself if you want it rolled out. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you gotta sew the carpet and roll it out for yourself and everything. Yeah, straight but, up. But I think that's good, though. I mean, I think that like when you find a filmmaker that you like. Like, the most rewarding thing is then going into their back catalog and seeing the shit that they made when they were your age and stuff, at least oh, for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, like, the, what is it, like, the Transformers, like, robot fight that, uh, was it James Cameron? I always get, yeah, it was James Cameron did before he did, um, Terminator. Am I thinking the right director? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, always get him and Steven Spielberg confused. Yeah. And then some other dude who just did a coffee one. What was it called? Cigarettes and Coffee? Cigarettes and Coffee. Just is it one, the... two guys sitting and talking over cigarette and coffee. That's, uh... Fincher? No, no not Fincher. Uh, Fincher's got the interest. Fincher did music videos first. That was his end. Mm -hmm. Some people can... Music videos and horror movies are, like, a good end for people who don't make a name for themselves. So, yeah. like, get legitimacy, because... Um, because you can do cool, weird. You can make cool, weird choices, and nobody cares. Right. Yeah. And and you can make a name for like the Coen Brothers did Blood Simple first because they actually saw Sam Raimi get um, recognition with Evil Dead. Oh, Sam Raimi's a legend. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, you, you gotta, um, you gotta make a horror movie or at least a thriller first, and then they'll let you make whatever you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, or like some some genre, um. Cigarettes and coffee. Was... Maybe it was Paul Thomas. No, no, no. No, wait, no, no. It was. Uh, was it? Um, it, it, Jarmusch, man. Was it? Was it? No, it might be Paul Thomas Anderson. I love these moments in podcasts <laughs> where you know that the, the somebody's listening that is like screaming. that has the answer. Yeah, yeah they're like screaming at yeah. us. Um, yeah. and I could use my phone, but like the whole uh, beauty yeah. of this is that I. You know, well, it's... whatever it was, it's just two guys sitting down enjoying a cigarette and coffee and it's that conversation yeah and they just wrote a really good script yeah and they they put it they bet it all on i think they got a, a like a b-tier actor or something in somehow yeah um and then you know i guess you got limited time you just set up the camera for that one thing and uh they just did a really really good job somehow of course they had to shoot it on film so they could spend whatever on one little film <laughs> i have a theory that if you have a solid script like except for fucking movie stars who are like don't really care about acting they just mm -hmm. care about getting paid you can probably get any actor you want you know like the florida project guy who oh right. i love that yeah. it's such a great film before yeah. the florida project he did he did a movie on iphones like yes. literally shot Tangerine. on iphone Tangerine, which is yeah. amazing too and then for the florida project i'm pretty sure he just like was like hey can we get willem dafoe yeah, yeah i love the florida project i love it too yeah well, yeah yeah but that's like if you write a good script and you know, and you can show somebody like a uh, a demo of your work, so then they know that you're not fucking around right. and you actually yeah. make cool stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's easier than we think to get like a really great actor mm -hmm. involved. Maybe it's easier in the states. I don't know about traveling mm -hmm. and shit. But... 
Yeah, I think it's the, like the script and the voice, as in like who you are as a filmmaker. Like, you're, like what makes you distinct as a yeah as a person who makes a movie, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like you know what a good example of that is? You know, Mystery Guitar Man on YouTube. No. Okay. Do you know Arctic, the the Mads Mikkelsen film? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That was made by Mystery Guitar Man. He's a YouTuber, mm-hmm. and apparently, what he said is how he got it is he just called Mads Mikkelsen, and the guy just like grilled him for a few hours and was like, "Do you want to make this movie? Why do you want to make it? Tell me about it." And he just knew it really well and had a good script and was really passionate about it. And eventually, Mads Mikkelsen, for I'm sure not that much money, was like. Yeah, sure, I'll go sit in the freezing cold for, like, four weeks in Iceland or whatever. Yeah, and to me that makes complete sense, though, because if you actually look at the work that these, like, stars do, like, Matt Mickelson was in Doctor Strange, you know, they've all done this shit. Right. Yeah. You know, they sit in a trailer for an entire day, like, on a, on a big-budget film, mm-hmm. sometimes you're doing less than a page a day. Yeah. Right, so you, and sometimes you don't even do the reverse. Like, like um, I remember Heath Ledger talking about, like, how he didn't even have to wear makeup most days because they weren't even doing coverage on him. They were just doing one side in the dark that's night. That's crazy. It's like for an, that's how much money, right? Yeah. You can just shoot one side of a frame for an entire day. And that's what you need, right? If you have crazy lighting setups. That yeah. You just don't take down the lighting setup for an entire day. Burn the bulbs. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah like that's like they're doing that. They're waiting in their trailer for 12 hours so that they can act for five minutes. So th- they want to go do real acting, right? Where they're actually, mm. they're shooting like 10 pages in a day and they're mm. working with some people who were actually passionate. Yeah, and, and people that maybe even worked with them. I like, I know a lot yeah. of actors will talk about, and even one of our mentors on the project we were doing, he's an experienced actor who's been it for 30 years, just talking to him and he was like, yeah, the times when a director comes up to me and tells me, hey, that was great, but can you do this? Those are rare. And oh, even yeah. on big sets, because, you know, they're just... It's all, it's a big machine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's wild, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like the, the things that, like, the things that are good for me are always made by a group of friends. Like, even if they get a big budget, it's still, the movies that I love still feel like they were made by, like, a bunch of friends just that had a cool idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and found a way to work together. I think even, like, The Irishman is kind of like that, you know, like, that's a long movie, right? It's a yeah, long yeah, movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Sorry. No, no, it's a, no, it's a long movie, and only the last forty minutes are good. So right. it's not even worth like people have ripped into it. But I think if, the reason I think the Irishman's interesting is because uh, it's very clear that Scorsese was just like, I want to work with my friends again from early in my career, yeah. and I don't even want to. I don't even want to hire actors that are young to play the young versions of them. Right. I just want to hang out with. I want to be paid to hang out with my. Right. my old but and they're like literally like all nursing home guys <laughs> right <laughs> that are just like playing young versions of themselves and living the good old days you know i think that's so interesting i mean i don't know yeah, i love that vibe. yeah the, the, the vibe of friends are working together to make something because it's just yeah you could see it on screen like for example like yeah. one cut of the dead you guys you know, you know that one the i think film? yeah the japanese film oh, yeah, yeah. amazing is that what, what's the director of that one uh shinjiro shinjiro ueda ueda i might have butchered that but yeah, yeah. great great stuff <laughs> i haven't seen it but you've told me how much yeah, you love I that movie. Fucking love that movie. i think yeah. you can see it come through in a project when people behind yeah. it are passionate and have yeah. that like joie de vivre you know yeah and and hopefully you can forgive stuff like some takes being out of focus or a little bumpy yeah. if if you can feel that raw love for the process yeah. Yeah. how much fun like it right. has been to make that thing <clears throat> 
Like, I think with Mr. James, you can kind of see that too. Like, it was so fun to make it, and I think it was able to be off screen as well, you know? So. Yeah, um, that book that's behind your head there yeah. that you keep bumping into. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're recording this in my room, which the guys wanted me to mention. Which that It's so sick. I like, first of all, first podcast ever. Thanks for inviting us or, oh, yeah. for me. Yeah. And then yeah. in your room, like, I think, honestly, uh, that could be more of a feature. You should have yeah. a segment where yeah. people beat each other with the pillows on your bed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll invite some, some sexy people over. Yeah. <laughs> so what about this book here? The yeah, art, yeah. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Matrices. By Robert, the, by Robert Percy. Well, he talks about so two things he talks about here. We're not on camera, so you don't have to yeah, like, show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, show it to me. I want to see it. Okay. Yeah, you see that shit's kind of beat up. Like it's probably my most beat up book that I have. Oh, I know this book. Yeah. Yeah, I've read like ten pages of it. It's good, man. <laughs> well, because it's a road story, but it's also it's about um, it's about something that we still haven't really solved in society. I think, which is like society has this tendency to separate technicians from artists. Right. Yeah. Like you talk about how you were good at math, and so you, you thought you were supposed to be an engineer, you know. And like we have this whole thing where like it's almost like we've separated into this like masculine and feminine energy too, where we're like, mm. yeah, fixing cars and shit is like right. it's a man thing, and then painting pictures is a girl thing, and then yeah. it's like even this shame almost about working in the film industry because you're making art, and so we have to overcompensate as men and make it like no, this is tough, and we're working long hours, and we work with mm. these toys. Holy shit. Yeah. Right. right. Like. Yeah. Wait. No. Cameras. No. I'm a technician. I know yeah. the ins and outs of this camera and this computer program. I'm a fucking engineer. Right. Not a Nancy boy. You know. So the book is about how, like, how do we like acknowledge that in every mechanical thing there's an aspect of art, and in every artistic thing there's an aspect of like form. Mm-hmm. You know that there's form and underlying structure and everything, right? And so he's talking about. Um, how when he's fixing the motorcycle like you can tell the the time the human hours that he put into it and how much he loves the thing and that there is something about even the finished product that retains that sort of care and love that he has for it that we're kind of losing in society because everything's become so automated Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like what you're talking about when you watch a film that might have shots that are out of focus or might be janked or might not have that much money but there's like a there's like an imprint of the love that the people who yeah. made it like there's a it like leaves behind something yeah you know that love on set and the joy and the laughs and everything I think that's why you can watch a movie like The Room, which is technically a disaster mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and it can elicit so much joy because there's a guy's like real passion in it yeah mm-hmm. you know and I think it's impossible to get that with a Marvel movie because there's so many hand chefs in the kitchen there's so many box that needs to be checked right Mm -hmm. that no one's individual passion and love for it that's going to come through in anything like a bumpy frame or out of focus or Mm -hmm. anything like this no no exactly because it's all just like and that's why these hallmark that's really why these hallmark movies suck right right because it's like you know movies with the same plot as hallmark movies make millions of dollars every year in the general industry right Mm -hmm. the reason these suck is not because of the plots or what or and some of the actors are great actors and other things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is because they're assembly line and because nobody on them cares about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the real issue is nobody cares. Yeah. Everybody's just getting paid and they know it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what, the, what you should be aiming for is that we just work on things we care about. It doesn't yeah. even matter how much money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, we want to leave the imprint. 
Um, I mean, you, like, sorry to... No, no, but, no, no, no. But you have to acknowledge on that, though, that a lot of people don't have that um, ability to. Uh, a lot of people need money. And I think, like, yeah, as low as the barrier is to entry for film, um, it's still, like, I think every day about how much effort and time I'm putting into it and how lucky I am that I've been... That I'm able to, mm-hmm. right? And that I still am not on having made my first feature or what have you, right? Right. And that if you didn't have money or you didn't weren't able to work in the ad field, for the days that I am, and yeah, how impossible it would be to ever make, you know, do the stuff that like we're talking about volunteer on those projects that where no one's getting paid or no one's making you have money. to yeah pay rent somehow yeah mm-hmm. or like have family support or whatever yeah. That's actually, it was escaping my mind, but that's like the last mark on this, I think, that I wanted to touch on is privilege. Yeah, exactly. Just in general. Yeah. Um, also, the privilege of getting to work with your friends, because arguably, those people in Hollywood with all the money that are fucking everybody over, the, all they want to do is just hire their friends, too. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, the money is imaginary, right? Like, basically, to a guy like Elon Musk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ten billion is the same as ten dollars for me, mm-hmm. right? It's just an it's just numbers, mm-hmm. and whatever. And so, how do we fix that here? Like, how do we make sure that we're giving people opportunities that might not otherwise get them? Because that's a big thing in the film industry too, right? Mm-hmm. We want to work with our friends and we want to be comfortable yeah. on a set, yeah. but we also have to acknowledge that when we do that, we're there is an element of exclusivity, which probably isn't yeah. a problem when nobody gives a shit about you and you're just making Ooh, interesting. Yeah. when you're just making something that nobody cares about. But what happens when you get a little bit of success and you uh, you don't throw the ladder back down? It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep talking. I've talked a no, lot. No, of no, 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 no. You guys are both talking equally. I'm, yeah. okay, yeah, I'm no. observing. So <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. the ladder down if i can say i think the first and most important step is to elevate voices that aren't yeah. ones like mine whenever you can because yeah. um it feels dishonest for me to tell a story about a gay romance for example because that's not personal to right. my life mm-hmm. or the tell a story about uh, some people who've been marginalized someone's been marginalized by the race or what have you stories like that i think it's yeah. important that they're told by people who've gone through those experiences and i know as a filmmaker they're not stories I'm planning on telling because that's you can only really ever I think ta- tell what's personal to you, um, right? Yeah. You're not gonna what's the quote? You're not gonna write about your own life, and what are you gonna write about, right? Yeah. Um, but then beyond that, obviously, what you can commit to is is bringing in people to work with that you don't know and onto your set and in yeah. whatever positions you can. The thing I think about a lot, um, and, and it's coming up on the the film that we're hoping to cast this way is older women don't have roles in movies. You get to a certain role as a woman, and uh, yeah. this was interesting for us, because when we cast Madame Von Gunlegs in Mr. James is Dead, mm-hmm. we hadn't realized this, but she said to us, I love this role, because it's you think she's an old woman, but then she's a freaking like gunleg maniac, and every single role that she auditions for is grandma. Right. That's all she does. Yeah. And, and and you get to a certain age and then 
that becomes your only choice as mother or, or grandma, what have you, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's something where you can look at what you're doing and be like, why can't this person be an older woman? Because they're only attracted to stuff. Or why can't this person be this or that? Or, um, sorry, this I know I'm going off, but Alex um, has brought the idea of uh, what I think is called... Um, it's a certain type of casting process where basically you start casting while you're writing the story mm-hmm. or or so that you're not locked into the idea of, oh, we can't cast someone who's um, who uses a wheelchair for this because this character needs to run in this scene, right? Right. Where if you work the casting process in by being like, who are people to a casting director? You bring them into the process. Who are people that are really great that you want us to work with? that you know and you find those people and then you start writing with them in mind then you're not going to be locked out of someone who's maybe neurodivergent or what have you yeah you start it earlier in the process because it's too easy to be like sorry the script doesn't work because because of my preconceived personal experiences i've written it for this imaginary person i have in my head which is a white male um that is perfectly you know capable of walking upstairs Sorry, that's a bit of a rant there, but that's no, what no, no, no. we've been thinking yeah, about. Wow. That's a great idea. That's great. Yeah. 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 I forget the name. There's a technical name for the type of casting that it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's like I, writing for that. Like writing, writing it's for the role. Getting basically. casting involved in earlier in the process. Yeah. So that you don't eliminate potential performers because of things that are written for the preconceived yeah. version you have in your head of what you know. Or logistics yeah. or things like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think I think people like at a lower level, kind of like at a, our level of filmmaking or even below, they do that really because they have less options. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've had to rewrite a script because I found an actor that was really cool and I couldn't find anybody perfect. Right. But the more money and the more opportunities you have, the more likely you are to to not... to try to go for perfect rather than rejigging the script in a way that might, might actually... It always makes it more interesting always makes it more interesting is the interesting thing about it Mm -hmm. yeah you're never exactly it's adding character right and we talk about with the passion behind the project that makes it bumpy or what have you adding someone who has a has some something different about them like that um is often seen as like an issue like oh now we're gonna have to work around this problem but if you're gonna have to work around it the character is gonna have to work around it in the story right yeah and that that adds to it right that's that's never gonna take away something or maybe if it does it'll add more yeah and again and Josh has to say something. Too. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry. No, 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 I was no, no, going no, no, off. Because no, okay. I was about to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really passionate about that. But no, no, yeah. no, no, no. And you're so right. And I was going to add to it in saying that like, I hate this idea that people have that acting is transformation. I went to acting school. Um, and, and that's like this thing that people have. It's like the harder you work and the more you bleed for this role and the more you change and the more prosthetics you wear, the better it is, right? It's like, and now we have fucking Jared Leto, who's like probably my least favorite actor. I yeah. fully agree. God, I don't know anything about him personally, but God, I hate Jared Leto. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, Jared, yeah. if you're listening, but yeah, no, exactly. Like, who needs? <laughs> but he's now he's playing an old man in that Versace movie, right. just covered in yeah. prosthetics, and I'm just like, no, like, I just I want to see more real people just being themselves. Being I do. Themselves, yes. Yeah. yeah. I I want to like. There's so many cool people in the world who want to be actors, but don't think that they like ever had the opportunity to be or whatever mm-hmm. and i want to see more of that yeah honesty you know again you're going back to being honest with yourself and honest people on screen yeah yeah that's it no I yeah mean, one yeah. of the problems that's weird with working with josh that we have is um 
often will end up uh, casting our, our villains as uh, as Asian people, right? Oh, right. Or, or thugs, right? Because all the stunt people, or like a lot of them that we love to work with and that Josh loves to work with, are, are Asian or Filipino, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this boundary between working with your friends and people who you want to work with and you want to lift up in the community and then also mm-hmm. representing them as bad guys and the stuff you do right and that's just logistical too because they're just really good fight people right yeah Yeah, exactly and in a fight choreography the person who gets hit or who ends up losing the fight is actually in control of what's happening yeah that's right so the person was good yeah go in the punch so yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like your friends just happen to be really good at their jobs, and so they yeah, end up yeah. playing the villains because they're good at their jobs. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's interesting. the The idea of casting um, people from marginalized communities in villainous roles is like they also never get those roles, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the final step in like the evolution. I feel like it's like first you play like a stereotyped version of yourself, mm-hmm. the worst, worst yeah. stereotype, you know. Yeah. This is like Riz Ahmed and Stephen Ewan did an interview together. They were talking oh, that's about that. Interesting. Yeah, it was super good. Then you play like a twist on the stereotype where it's a little bit more nuanced. Right. Then you play a regular guy, and then they'll let you play a villain. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk to you about that because the main villain, though, not just a disposable thug. You know okay, I mean? maybe yeah. that's what it is. Because I w- we're casting for something recently, and we've casted. And what it is is it's a dude in truck that's like a comes in a lifted truck and he you know mm-hmm. and he, he's an asshole and he goes you bitch don't touch my truck what the fuck are you doing get out of here um, <laughs> get out of here uh, it's a, you could look at it as a classic redneck and I there's people I really want to work with um, that are indigenous and yeah. I didn't want to cast them in that because it felt like we're making the one asshole of the film right yeah but at the same time you want to cast uh indigenous person whenever you can or whenever you have that opportunity in a film yeah fuck well i'm working with an in like we're all kind of it's funny with like we all of us just spent the weekend shooting which is great because i haven't been shooting in so long and i'm working with an indigenous filmmaker right now who's acting mm-hmm. in the movie that i'm working with him in he's one of my best friends too um and he's the movie is like really fucking dark uh and it deals with like there's no pedophilia in the movie, obviously, right. but yeah. it deals with like, like a guy. My character plays a guy who's obsessed with catching pedophiles, right. and he's also an alcoholic, and he's broke, and like, no normal person is obsessed with catching pedophiles. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. if it's not their job. Yeah. Like it's a disgusting thing to like spend your mind. But right. like the quote-unquote villain of the movie, is played by my friend who's the director, I and he's see. an indigenous man, right? Yeah. And and it's an interesting thing where I thought about that. And I'm like, what would this be like if a white person wrote and directed it? Right? Like, this as is, I don't have to explain that the director's indigenous. I know it works because yeah. he's so good and he's coming at it from the inside. Yeah. But he's also playing like a disgusting human being. What's his take on that? Well, his take on it is just that he wants the movie to like raise questions, like, you know, to make a make a movie without any compromise where none of the characters are redeemable. Yeah. Um, so his take on it is like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's for him to say, you know, obviously, cause he's an indigenous man that, you know, he's interested in making films that don't like, uh, I've had him on the podcast before and I will have him on again to, to elucidate this more, but from the conversations we've had that not every film 
that includes a group person from a certain group has to be like you know a a statement on behalf of that group mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. people should also just be able to make films they want to see especially if they're from marginalized communities okay right. people expect people from marginalized communities especially if they're not in like lead roles that much to be an example for everyone else all the time you know like shang again i'm a fucking white guy talking about this so what am i even supposed yeah. to say but you know it's like simu liu he's he gets to be the first you know like asian marvel hero who's headlining the movie and it's a big deal but then yeah but then he's like he, he you know a white guy playing captain america right doesn't have to hold that on his shoulders that he's representing his entire race yeah so even though it's a good yeah. thing it makes it even more difficult Right, and like if the movie bombs, like he's disappointed his entire race. Yeah. Like it's so, oh my God. it's so absurd, right? Right, it's yeah. so absurd. Like you, nobody should have to carry that, right? Like to carry the expectations of their entire culture. Yeah. That's part of white privilege is that we never have to do that. Yeah. Right, like people have to be reminded that that white is even a thing. Okay, let's talk about banking. Let's talk about banking. So, Josh's mom. Why don't you take this away, Josh? Yeah. What about your mom? No, seriously, we can talk about whatever. So, okay, that's the beauty of this podcast. My mom always tells me to pay my credit card a certain date. Yeah. What date? The date is exactly due. You know. Okay. The exact day. The exact day. And she told him this because. Because it's good for your credit score. Because Josh was paying it early. Yeah. She was saying, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay it on the day it's due. Yeah. Because it'll be better for your credit score. I'm literally looking at my uh, bank statement right now. <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah. Uh, just checking when it's due because you guys have made me yeah, paranoid. Yeah. Well, is yeah. this is this true? I don't I don't know. She always just tells us to pay it exactly on time or else we yeah. pay it early. Does your mom, like, work in finance or something? No, she doesn't. She's an event decorator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so my... My next payment is due on October 4th. Well, oh shit. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but well, like <laughs> I mean I they won't want, they won't mind, right? One day, what's one day? No, but I mean, you know, it just no, it's not I'm not late though cuz it I paid it off already. You paid the minimum or like yeah, I just have a zero balance, right? So oh, okay. I paid I paid all the money I owe. So why does it say your next payment's yesterday? Well, I guess it's just cuz it's not like automated like it's just something they say. Like it's not automated based on me. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just stuff. I'm just gonna pay it on the day. Yeah. It's, it's so I just stupid. paid a few days after, and I'm like, yeah, there we go. This here's the crazy <laughs> thing about taxes that I don't get. Right? Yeah. It's like they know how much I owe. Yeah. Because because yeah. they they'll come after me if I don't pay it. So why do I have to do my taxes? Yeah, that's. Oh. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great example of like things that governments can actually change like when you elect a local well this isn't a local thing but when yeah. you elect a local official and you have no clue what they've done but like um what was that rule that someone put in a while ago where like you can't force your employees to wear heels in workplaces you do you remember that one do you know about that one? Oh uh, no that was that was because places like browns where i used to work they would have a sign in the back that said your heels must be at least this many inches Oh, which wow. is just that's fucked you can't you can't say to people they have to wear this like that's messed up wait wait so like the, it has to be and it can be over but it can't be under yeah exactly oh wow 
And uh, so they would do that as a rule, and uh, some elected official put it in that you can't do that anymore. And that's, let me just be honest, that's like the only rule that I know about that like locally has been put into law. Yeah. So stuff like the taxes thing, stuff like that, it's like, that's why are why are we not doing that? Sorry. No, 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 no don't <laughs> don't apologize. You you yeah. made you raise a great point. And that I'm just, th- I'm like, literally every time I look down on you talking, it's just because I'm thinking about the implications of what you just said. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck me. Like, yeah, right? things are so inefficient. God damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's what I was talking to you guys about this podcast, about how, like, my friends did all that protesting. And I did some as well. I got arrested out there. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's the only thing that changed anything. Like, governments are so useless, even in doing things that are common sense. Like, it's like we're, the world is burning alive and old growth forests are resistant to forest fires because they have all this moisture and moss yeah. and everything. And like they, they're they like literally like they by existing, that forest protects Vancouver Island from burning up in a forest fire. Right. Yeah. Um, among its inherent value is like these life forms that are like thousands of years old. But the government, even now, when like we just had like the hottest day on record you know this summer yeah even they can't even think beyond like making a little bit more extra money so they can sell shingles to million billionaires in china yeah or maybe not even making extra money but just you know cutting down a different forest and replanting it or doing more sustainable you know yeah yeah it's just so it's like a no-brainer it's yeah the simplest thing and yeah and this stupid tax thing and they man i could go forever on this shit (laughs) The Americans, I don't know if, like, I try not to pay attention to their politics anymore because it'll just make me have an aneurysm. But, like, two they two senators are the reason why old people can't have hearing aids and, like, the roads can't be fixed and everything just because they're, they're actually Republicans that are Democrats in disguise. And yeah. God's against it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just two, two like two the demo, the, the um, woman and a, a woman and a guy, and they are um, yeah. now we're way off topic. Okay, yeah. um, so uh, personal finance. So what, now we're back on. Yeah. We're back. You know on what's a, fucked? Money makes more money. That yeah, like that, we're, yeah. we're talking about little things we can vote for. Um, I invested, started investing my money just for retirement a while ago, mm-hmm. and I did no work. I did no work. The only reason I made, and I gained 10% every year or yeah. whatever the fuck, until I had like made 1.5 times the amount I put in. And I was sitting, and I did no work, and the only reason I made more money is because I was privileged enough to not need to spend that money. Yeah. And there's people, I did no work. There's people around me who've been doing more work because they didn't have the privilege to do no work. That is fucked up. I, I, I know how economy, you know, maybe needs this or some shit. But like, if there's some way to make it so money doesn't make more money yeah. from just sitting in a bank account, that's that's they, I'm so. Yeah. First of all, the economy doesn't need it; it just doesn't. Right. Just, but that's a lie. Uh, but Joel, yeah, same thing. He invested in Moderna at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic just because yeah. he had some extra money kicking around. He he doubled his money. Holy yeah, man. and that that's what people are doing all the time. Just because they have some extra money around yeah. that they don't care if they lose, yeah. it usually yeah. just. Make doubles them, yeah. and it's the people that don't have the money that are getting screwed by that yeah and they're like literally i saw like a meme or something that like where some conservative said that he's like if you give a thousand dollars to a rich guy it'll multiply it'll become like six times the amount the in 10 yeah yeah <laughs> but if you give it to a poor person it di- disappears immediately and i'm like yeah his fucking money is made up it's mm. not like if you just put it on the ground it's not going to multiply <laughs> right. mm. or you know like 
it, it, it's only valuable if it buys things <laughs> like the economy is so made like it money only becomes real once it turns into food right uh, we're fucked Josh is just like, wow, oh, you, guys, you guys are giving me a lot Josh to think about. Josh is vibing. Holy. No, not vibing. Listening. No, no, no. I, vibing I, I, means you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, Vibing's I, a form of listening, man. Oh, yeah. Don't. Vibing. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. I noticed how you you do the same thing I do. Just never got the same socks on. These two oh, these yeah. two are similar. They look the same, but they're not. Oh, yeah. I do that, too. I oh, do. Look, oh, yeah, yeah. My, oh, yeah. All of us are doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. No one's really got to care at the end of the day. I mean, who's watching? Oh, look listening yeah no yeah, nobody's yeah. gonna get but the thing is is that when i was in high school people would make fun of me for no that's wearing style, two different dude. socks I don't know it's not even your style or not was it why would i be so like it's fucking cool why would i be so anal about always having like i just have socks that way i never have to worry about if i have a pair or not it's taking years off my life <laughs> like that's a fuck that you can give something else you know like i'm just gonna shit over my socks are not matching I just want to say, like, I, I didn't think about how that looked like a dildo when you first mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, you've been stroking <laughs> it like, this whole time. Oh, I see it now, yeah. Sorry, there's, like, a little lamp yeah. beside Mike's bed. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to comment on, yeah, I'm sorry. It, wait, it's got this, like, it's got this rib section right here. That's just, it feels nice to touch. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you're wearing the Canadian tuxedo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's how does it, does it feel supporting the settler state? No! <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I'm just joking. Uh, no! Um, okay, one last controversial take bit. Because I talked about this with Mayumi when she was on. What do you guys think of that movie? Star Wars Last, Star Wars Last Jedi. Oh, you got the poster on your wall. And so unless it's ironic. We no, it's not. Why would, I, why would I wake up to something ironic? I Dude, I, like, I could see it. I don't know. Could be fun. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, I watched the first uh, new Star Wars movie and I decided quite quite easily yeah. that I didn't want to watch the rest. Did you see it? I didn't see it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Star Wars is not really high in my. Whoa! Uh, yeah, just to be clear, when I did my Star Wars fandom, is because I had that was I had nothing else to go off of, nothing else to work with. I'm not actually a Star Wars yeah. fan. Sorry, Mike. No, you guys are pure minded. This is cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Why? What was my Yumi's take? No, no, Miami liked it, but she didn't yeah. like. Uh, Cause I go deep into this movie. Like I'm. Oh yeah. This movie, uh, is the only fucking franchise movie, like Disney funded movie, that like waves the middle finger in the face of like the the fandom and the oh, really? expectations oh. and everything. Oh, maybe I should watch it because Dude, everyone hated it. They yeah. hate. They hated it so much. It's so fucking good. I mean, like honestly, like think about how could it be bad? It's it's Ryan Johnson who got to do everything he wanted on it. Like and he's like, he did knives out, right? He did knives out. He did knives out and and Looper and and uh, he's one of the best. Yeah, um, and he like he made the he made people so mad. He's like, this betrays everything that Star Wars is. It's got amazing twists. The 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 second act climax is incredible. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, it's the only Star Wars movie I like. It's the only one. Damn! Wow! Damn, Shoni. How do you make it that far if you don't like Star Wars movies? like in film or no like, <laughs> like if you you know when, oh, when people are it, like oh season four of the series yeah. is, is you know it gets better yeah. after and it's like why did you watch that far well, well first of all because I, I have this stupid like good for you for not watching marvel movies but like i don't watch right. sports right yeah. 
so I have to like be in the conversation somehow. Yeah, so I, I just watch everything, everything everybody yeah, else is watching, so I can stay in the conversation. Yeah. I don't know. How does it feel supporting the settler colonialists? <laughs> 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 very good, very good. Well, Sorry, Josh, you were gonna say something. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> we just say PR. No, I, I like how quippy you guys are. No, no. It's not, what are you? What are your takes oh, on Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Josh? No, it doesn't have to be the Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but like, you know, Star Wars is cool for dumb reasons, right? Like, and it's just I didn't like. I didn't realize I could actually like a Star Wars movie until I saw this one. Uh, yeah. I thought I could go to the movie, be entertained, and watch the, you know, it's sick. <laughs> but then it was a good movie, and I was like, what the fuck? I mean, it's the thing, the people, re- reason why people are so disappointed with this movie, and I, I don't know, I haven't watched it, is that people have this expectation every time this franchise goes, oh, I want to go, 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 go. Yeah. But then I, the whole idea about Ryan Johnson, like, giving real commitment and shit, like, hell yeah, man. Give yeah. a fucking rock star attitude, man. Like, break the mold. You, you don't have to think the same all the time, you know? No, absolutely, you know? yeah. Right? It, yeah. And it's just like, for me, that's a success, right? Because I think about, and again, like, well, you go on forever, but as i love talking to you guys <laughs> this is actually yeah, great myself. yeah do you think about the difference between fight club and joker right so fight club right <laughs> it's like one two um fight club got booed at the venice film festival when it premiered really yeah and apparently brad pitt and edward norton were in the audience and they were no. st- they were stoned and they loved it no 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 because they loved the movie and they were laughing right. so hard because nobody got it but them That's right really funny and Joker got a standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. Well, we live in a society. Yeah, and so you're not actually controversial if people give your movie a standing ovation. Right. You're, you're controversial if people don't get your movie and get angry about it. Yeah. You know, like you want a polarized opinion Yeah. to know that you're actually doing something, I think. 100%. I agree with you that. Like, people should... Like people should either hate your movie or love it. They shouldn't. There shouldn't be a bunch of like middle reviews. Mm-hmm. That's what I hate about fucking Marvel movies is that everything is just they're all just middling. Mm-hmm. They're not bad or good. They're just boring. You know, nobody in the theater is gonna watch Mister James is Dead and be like, that was okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I'm sure a lot of people did like aggressively not like it. Do you think some people did? Specific type of movie you know yeah, yeah yeah i mean most of the time when i talk to people and i ask them what their favorite was and they said a different movie it was it was one like um the one that ali Bear did yeah um which is a completely different type of movie right yeah it's because you're making movies for different people it's a, and it's a great film as what it is you're making you should be making films for different people yeah, like yeah. you shouldn't be trying to make films for everyone because yeah. then you're making films for no one yeah yeah like making movies that you want to see maybe that different people yeah that's the yeah, only that's thing what offer. that's what I think of when I look at Netflix and I go, "Is there nothing I want to see?" I go, "Oh, right," because like I haven't made the movies that I want to see yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, that lady who did the farewell, Lulu Wang. She talked about how she had like competing offers from Netflix and A twenty four. She took A twenty four, even though they offered her like a tenth of the money that Netflix did, because she didn't want her movie to get buried in the catalog. Mm-hmm. Which well, is what would have happened. Did? The farewell. The farewell. Yeah. The big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the year after Parasite. Yeah, but yeah, she didn't want her movie to get buried in the catalog. Yeah. Which is, I think, what Great happens choice. to a lot of great films. Yeah. 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 That's what's nice about indie movies is, is you can willingly decide to make a movie a lot of people won't like. 
because yeah. you're making it. You can go full in and go like artsy and crazy yeah. and stuff that people are gonna be like, oh, why you do that? Oh, oh, really? We're shooting this in black and white, and you yeah. can do it because like fuck it, and you know there's gonna be enough people that'll that'll like that, and you're yeah. making it for them. Polarization. There we go. Right. You kind of like narrow down your audience. Yeah. Demographic. Boom. I think that's the thing, like, I, it's kind of how I do my personality, too, is, like, kind of, like, tell everybody all the fucking things I hate. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I just, like, I feel like <laughs> the people that I'll like to hang out with. Yeah. Because, like, Joel, you know, Joel is, like, the main, you know, he's, like, the guy who gets along with everybody, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, and that's a great skill. Like, I'm, mm. and honestly, if, if I didn't, if I wasn't friends with him and I didn't make films with him, I probably wouldn't meet so many cool people mm. that I could then narrow down to the ones i like yeah <laughs> but he yeah he always has all these people asking him for stuff and there's all these people who want to talk to him and who like him yeah, and that's great those people sorry joel if you're listening no 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 and he, no but he he loves that though yeah. right like that's he feeds on that social energy right. he likes yeah. it right yeah he likes getting to know all kinds of different people but i'm just like man i'd be so exhausted <laughs> To yeah. be like the set, like to be doing all of these things, to have like all these students from all these yeah. different places, then to do the run and gun, and then to. Oh my god, I can't imagine that's so much work, man. Yeah. So much work. It's so much like interaction. Yeah. Like even during the pandemic, because he was running these events. Even then, I still think Joel does a lot of polarization as well. He's very, very vocal about any kind of issue too. Yeah. And all that stuff, right? And then the way he interacts with people as well. So you can also narrow. He himself can also narrow stuff down as well, right? Yeah, well, and, there's there's a certain fine line, right? Yeah, fine line. Yeah. You want to have a wide net, but you don't want to let in the weird like abusers and yeah, for sure, yeah. messy people from like the industry at large. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, those guys are getting weeded out, just because things are changing. Yeah. But Times you know, are changing, though. I think we're on the cusp of something, though. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, onwards to the cusp. I might even like split this one up into a two-parter. I think we've been recording <laughs> for almost two hours. Oh, really? have we? Is it the longest Uh-oh. episode? Yeah. Well, I'm, no. I I did a I did an episode with my friend Charlie Kerr that we talked for two and a half hours. I had to cut it down to an oh, hour no. just because I was like, this is like when you know because when you like talking to somebody, it just flies by, and then you're yeah. like, are, are people gonna like? I know they're gonna like it, but are they gonna listen for two hours? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not do to distinguish part two. Yeah, I'm not. No, they're definitely. I could think of the delineation because once we start getting into tax stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting credit card stuff. That's not a good point. Yeah. No, No, that's a good bit, Mike. I'm telling you now that you you might be listening in post or what have you. But the tax conversation is a good bit. It's a good bit. You dare cut the tax conversation. I'm not gonna cut it. Audience, if you're listening now and there was no tax conversation, I want you to know I fought for it. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 it's in there. I'm not gonna cut that out, man. I don't cut. I don't cut my episodes anymore because uh, I cut one. I cut three. I cut episodes at the beginning. Right. And then I was like, who the hell am I censoring myself for? Yeah, and like if my if my guests want me to cut something, then I will. Do you guys want to do an ASMR section? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, Josh. Josh, join me. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm on the other side, so it's okay. Come on in. No, no, Josh. No, Josh. Whoa. Oh. All right. So Mike is currently on his phone. What are you doing, Mike? No, you're all I'm checking my financial data. Yeah. I love movies and shitty is a podcast. I love quality conversations with you. 
I'm, okay. Hey, wait. If you, so you guys have never done a podcast before? I've never yeah, done a podcast. podcast. You've done... Did you do, like, YVR Screen Scene or whatever? Uh, no. No, no. Oh, you haven't done that one yet. That's, like, the big one in town. Ooh. Ooh. You got connections with YVR Screen Scene? No, no. Um, Joel, uh, Joel's done that show twice. Oh, yeah? I, I, I don't think I could do that show because I, uh... I should talk to union too much. Mm. <laughs> the actors union, which, oh, yeah. by the way, nobody like nobody in charge of UBCP listens to me. I've like gotten into fights with them before, but oh yeah, you, I feel like maybe you know if you're part of a big Vancouver union, you might want to post some solidarity with IATSE. Oh, even though the union isn't. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just feel like Is first... UBCP not rich to support IATSE. No, they're nothing on their Instagram or like main oh, really? pages at all, which is like. If I was in charge of a union in town, I would write something. I would, I would acknowledge it, at least. Mm-hmm. I know that it's the American IATSE, not us striking, but I feel like... I mean, the local IATSE here still send out an email. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. And all that. You know what's screwed up, though? Mm. Sorry, this is... No, 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 no. The email IATSE sent out that I, that I got, uh, I think, like, two days ago or something, about solidarity, said that we sign safe harbor contracts here. Do you know what that is? No. Which apparently guarantees shows that we won't strike while they're shooting here. Yeah, so it's literally we sign away our right to strike on on shows. I think the way it works is shows that we've signed a contract with. So in theory, we could I don't know maybe strike after those shows are gone or stop signing the contract or what have you. But yeah, yeah. Basically, wow. apparently, what they said they said we support I Atsi in the states. But just so you know, we can't do that here right now. <laughs> I yeah. was like, wow, okay. So, um, yeah, so I want you, whoever's listening to know that this is all speculation and this could be me talking out of my ass. But, um, yeah, like, from what I've heard, there these unions have, like, these non-disclosure agreements, too, for, like, abuse, where, like, in order to get the some abuse mediated, not IATSE, this would be another union. Right. And this is just Mike Doga talking, not these guys, don't get them in shit. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Um, where, like, they'll only mediate, like, a complaint if both parties sign a non-disclosure agreement. So, like, the person who's making a complaint against being, like, abused or harassed right. basically has to make a choice. Do I go to the police or do I go to my union? Oh. Because if I go to my union, then I sign the NDA. Right. I can't go anywhere else. You know, because it's like they think that their role is to protect their members, and technically the abuser is also a member. Right. Yeah. So things are fucking... There's a lot that needs to change. Yeah. You have to fill out a lot of paperwork to work with UBCP on Mr. Jones' stuff. Oh, oh I think because of the stunts. And then we had to start. The, oh, did you guys have to pay extra money for the stunts and stuff? Like that? I think, insurance. Yeah, I think they covered, they just covered for us the insurance for that. And then, but the thing was our stunt coordinator couldn't make some of the days, and so we needed to get a different one for some of the days. And then um, that led to, that meant basically because of, we had to refill the insurance, and it needs a week to process, and we found out about that like a couple days before. So even though we had the stunt coordinator was more than qualified to work on it and everything if we hadn't been prepared to get if we hadn't put their name on the document preliminarily we would have had to call off the stunts for UCP actors just because they would have had to redo all the insurance paperwork with the new person and it takes weeks jesus christ yeah, even though they were already rolling and like yeah. worked on big shows and that kind of thing yeah fucky man that's fucky yeah well hey
thanks for being here. <laughs> Hell yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah man, this is a lot of fun. You can press the, the stop. I'll edit, I'll edit something together. Yeah, can we do like a, like a, woo, we've been on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you guys want to, if you guys want to, I'm going to put whatever you guys, I'm going to tag, I'm going to tag you guys on both Facebook. I'm going to put whatever you guys want.